Good morning, everyone. How about another good beep? Let them know you're here. There you go. Good job. A very full parking lot here at the Vanceburg campus is, uh, it's amazing to see, amazing to witness. We're glad you come out uh, to worship with us. Uh, hopefully you can hear my voice in the car as well as Leslie's voice. Uh, I'm not using my singing voice. I'm going to use my speaking voice because I'd rather you hang around for a minute and listen to a few things. There we go. we got an amen down in the corner. I'm sure that was my father-in-law. Um, number five in the leadership series that we're going through uh, as a church. We've been speaking about leadership for several weeks now. This is week five and how to lead and leadership. And we had no idea what God had in timing as far as what the world will be facing today and how that God has placed us in this uh, position to speak about leadership. And leadership is so important in all of our lives. Uh, it's something without leadership the world would not move or go forward because somebody has to lead. And Jesus, I believe, is the best leader that ever lived. And as he lived his life, he showed us a pattern of how to live our life. And if we lead the way he led, hopefully we will be uh, the examples to the world that he was to the world when he was here. And he said it was uh, better for him to go away to prepare a place for us and he'd come back and receive us to himself. But also he told us to occupy till he comes. So he told his disciples to take care of the world, to watch over the world, to lead the world. And it's our job as Christians today to be leaders in this world. And we're taking this leadership uh, series through the life of Moses in the Old Testament. And Moses was a great leader. And in the Bible, when I was looking for somebody to point to and look through their life in leadership, and I can't imagine in uh, back in the days of Moses' life and how uh, so many things were just so far behind as far as technology and anything else that was going on in the world that we know as, as normal today was not normal to him. It was a time where that people did not have uh, the luxuries that we have today. And Moses led well even in those conditions. So you may feel like that uh, you're living in uh, caveman days or prehistoric days and living because you're stuck in your house for a few days. But uh, back in the Old Testament, everybody remained in their house for a lot of time, a long time. And we did to take it that God allows us to go backwards sometimes so we can go forward. And the beginning of this year, I spoke about and I was praying all last year about 2020 and how the vision of 2020 is for us. And as a church, I felt like that God was taking us to a place where that he wanted us to look that hindsight is 2020. And that means looking backward and, and not uh, living beyond your means and not looking on the days with regret about the things that you've been through, but look at them as God has brought me through those things so I can live in today the way he wants me to live today. He's brought me through things so that I don't have to ponder on those or worry about those things before because he's brought me through it. Has anybody out there been through some things in your life that God has brought you through some things? Amen. Good amens. So as God brings you through things, he teaches you lessons through those 
situations that you're going through. And as I think about Moses, he had been through a lot of things at this point in his life. He had lived, uh, his mother had placed him in a basket as a little child and put him in the river. And then he was adopted, per se, by Pharaoh. And then later on, he, he ended up living in Pharaoh's house. And he lived through luxury for the first 40 years of his life and how that he knew those luxuries and all the great things of Egypt and the power and the prestige and all those things. He had those things. But then all of a sudden, he went out and he seen one of his kinfolk, his cousins, being beaten by Egyptian, and he killed the Egyptian. Thou shalt not kill. Amen. But as he got out there and he killed this Egyptian, he looked at him and he looked at him and his anger was roused up because he knew that it wasn't good for somebody to bully somebody else. So he, he, he took out his rage upon the Egyptian and he killed him. And the next thing you know, Pharaoh's looking for him the next day and he has to take off into the wilderness. And he goes out in the wilderness and he spends 40 years exiled from his people, exiled from his country, exiled from the normals of society. 40 years. We don't want to have to live 40 years in the mess we're in, but that's what Moses lived. Can you imagine living 40 years without the goodness of God in your life and your whole world being turned upside down? But then he gets out there and lives 40 years in the wilderness, and then God tells him, go back where you came from, witness to your friends, witness to the ones that raised you, and tell them about my goodness that you received even in the wilderness. So Moses goes out and he, and he goes back and he sees this fiery bush and we talked about it last week and he looked and he had to hear and he had to turn aside and that's what we need to be doing today. It's that Moses type experience where that we're in this uh, age of difference that we know right here that we're living in. Are you turning aside? Are you listening? Are you hearing what God has said? Are you going to live out and go act upon what he's telling you to do? So Moses acts and he goes in obedience back to Egypt. And as he goes back into Egypt, he goes back and he does what God tells him to do. He finds his brother, uh, Moses finds his brother, and as he finds his brother, he heads back into to Egypt and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. No. Aaron was his voice piece, yes, but Moses was speaking. And Pharaoh says, no. So I know this today, as you're going through these situations that we're facing as a church, as a country, as a nation, as a world, as we look at the enemy and we tell him, let my people go, he's not going to give up easily. He's not just going to sit down and say, well, I didn't know they was going to come at me like that. He's going to fight with the vengeance that he has, that he don't want you to succeed in life. The enemy always says no when you ask him to leave you alone. So today, what are you going to do? How are you going to live your life? Because he says no, are you going to give up? Because that's what he wants. John chapter 10 verse 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. So as we live this life, let's live the abundant life. Even if I'm holed up in my house and I'm eating bologna sandwiches and ramen noodles, amen, God has provided. Hallelujah, somebody. There we go. We have some believers out here sitting on the hillside. So as this goes on, Moses is there and he goes back and, and Pharaoh says no. And he goes through these things where that God tells him to speak to Pharaoh and tell him you're letting my people go whether you want to or not. And God is going to bring some plagues upon Pharaoh and upon the nation of Egypt. 
Sometimes we don't like believing that God allows suffering, that God allows pain. But as God allowed this to go forward, he was doing it for the example for Egypt, not for Israel. He was teaching them lessons, yes, in the midst of those moments of not having enough. But they lived their life, and they did what he asked them to do. And Moses and Aaron, they fulfilled God's call in their life. And I'm begging of you, church, I'm begging of you in this world to stretch out and do what God's called you to do, to be the example the world is listening. Are we speaking? Moses was required to speak even though he stuttered, even though he said that my tongue is not good enough to speak. God used him anyway. And you may be sitting here today and saying, well, I can't speak eloquently or I can't talk like everybody else or I'm not a good public speaker. God called you to speak anyway. And he's asking you to use whatever medium you can to bring his kingdom to earth. God has given us the gift of Facebook. And I know some people hate Facebook. I know some people hate Instagram. They hate all these social media platforms. But guess what? Let's let God use whatever he wants to use. Let's let God speak to the world through us and do it because he's called us to. So as Moses did this, he spoke even when he didn't want to. And I'm asking you to speak even when you don't want to. Even when it seems like you don't have anything to say, speak anyway. Speak of the goodness of God and what he's brought you through. Be like Moses and say, I know how to live in plenty. I've lived in Egypt. I've lived with the household of Pharaoh and I've had it all. And also I've lived in my house and I've been out in the wilderness and I don't have anything. And I know to live in abundance and I know to live in blessing. Amen. I believe that to be true. Wonderful. I like this. I'm getting more amens than normal. Hallelujah. Good stuff from God. There's my father-in-law. So Moses got to this point in his life, and he went back to tell Pharaoh these things, and as these plagues came, it came to the end point where Pharaoh would continually harden his heart and say no. But Moses finally got to the end, the last plague that was coming. And Moses had to listen to God intently and he had to really pay attention. His ears had to be open. And I'm asking you right now to open your ears to what I'm about to say. To listen to what God is saying to the church. So in the Old Testament, God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, go out and take a lamb, take its blood, and wipe it on your doorpost. Has anybody got any lambs at home? Anybody got a herd of goats? Nobody out here. Got a couple people, got a few goats, probably Lathan McKenzie. They probably got a goat or two, maybe a pig or an old scoundrel dog or something like that. Don't sacrifice your dog. But in the New Testament, it says that there's a blood that is representative by something else. So the Old Testament, he told Moses, tell the people of Israel, take blood and wipe it on your doorpost. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. That would make our nation look like a bloody mess. But I will ask you to do this. In symbolic of the Old Testament covenant revealed in the New Testament through the blood of Jesus, the New Testament says Jesus' blood is symbolic through grape juice. Amen? He said he take the fruit of the vine and he told his disciples in communion to take this as symbolic of my blood. 
So I ask you, when you go home, get some grape juice and go to your doorpost. And it said they wiped it on the lentils and upon the doorpost on all three sides. And if you're too afraid that your doorpost is going to get stained, then water it down a little bit. But do it in obedience to Christ. And the Bible says that where the blood is, the blood of the covenant, that the enemy cannot come past that blood. Whenever you made a covenant in the Old Testament, the enemy cannot come through the blood. So I ask you today, take the, the grapefruit and put it on your doorpost and do it symbolic as the Old Testament as the day of Passover, which we're in the season of Passover, this Easter season. And God, you're speaking and saying, I believe the word of God to be true and I'm doing this on obedience that the blood of Jesus will be symbolic over my doorpost and the enemy cannot come nigh my dwelling. Psalms 91 says the enemy cannot come nigh your dwelling. Hallelujah, somebody. There's believers in our midst. So as Moses did this, and as he got through this, and that night, whenever it happened, that he wiped that blood over the doorpost, and the next morning they woke up, and the firstborn of all of Egypt passed away and died in the middle of the night. There was death run rampant in their land. And Pharaoh's heart wasn't hardened this time. He told Moses, get your people, take all their stuff, get the gold, get the silver, get everything you want, and get out of my nation. Get out of here. So the desire that Moses had come to pass. God's plan come to pass for Moses. And as Moses did this, he, he walked out and he told God's people, get your stuff and let's head for the hills. Let's head for the wilderness. Let's head where God told us to go. And as he began to journey out through there, it's amazing that as they're traveling along and as they're going forward and marching, some people estimate that there are between 2 and 6 million people in the nation of Israel at that time. Moses had to have some leadership skills to get six million people to move in a single direction. So as he leads these children of Israel out through, and it'd be like us taking off here today and getting out of our cars. You're not allowed to. And we take off walking up towards those hills. And leadership is happening, and Moses is leading them. And when they get out through there, they come to this place known as the Red Sea. And as Moses gets to this sea, the Red Sea, and he gets to the bank, and he looks back, and all the children of Israel, there are six million of them camped about there. And can you imagine that? That's about the size of the, the city of Chicago or something. About six million people all huddled around, living in tents, and Moses looking back through and saying, look what God has done. When we look backwards, we see, look what God has done. But sometimes you come to a point where there's a Red Sea in front of you. And what are you going to do in that moment? What are you going to do in that situation? I have to ask myself, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do now? God, where are you at? Why did you bring me out of Egypt to stick me at this hillside? Wow, this is awesome. But as Moses stands there and the people, it says in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 14, I believe it is, it says the people of God begin to murmur and complain. And they begin to say, was we not better off in Egypt? Moses, why'd you bring us out here to kill us here? God does not give you leadership to bring you to death. He gives you leadership to bring you to life. 
He brings you leadership to bring you to faith in a knowledge of God where that no matter the situation that I can live in the midst of this wilderness, I can be standing in front of a Red Sea, but if I have the faith of God in my life, I believe all things are possible to him that believes, don't you? So here we stand, what are we going to do? Here we stand, what are we going to do? Are we going to murmur? Are we going to complain? Are we going to say, why did God do this to me? Or are we going to be standing in the midst of this and say, I know I've lived in slavery and I'm getting ready to live in freedom. I'm going to go forward. I'm marching with my God. I'm following my leadership. I'll do what he's called me to do. So as Moses stands here at this seaside, can you imagine six million people depending on you? The weight of the world on your shoulders. Leadership is lonely, I tell you. There's points in leadership where you feel like giving up and there's been Sundays that I walk out of this church and I go home and I sit down and on Monday morning I feel like giving up. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm going forward. I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to see what God's going to do. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow his command. And I'm here telling you today, when you lead, know this, others will follow. Others will follow. So Moses, he stands here at this seaside, and he's hearing all this murmuring, all this complaining. And don't you know that's what Facebook is full of? Come on, somebody. It's full of murmuring and complaining. You know what Christians ought to be doing? They should be murmuring. They shouldn't be complaining. We should be standing here saying, Hallelujah, glory to God. Look what God has done. Guess what? Because when others hear that, they're going to say, Well, how are they making it through this situation? How are they still happy? How do they still have their sanity? Guess what? Because I've got the mind of Christ in me. That's how. So Moses standing here at this seaside and the weight of the world on his shoulders. I'm asking you today to pray for your leadership to pray for those that God has ordained in leadership over you. Romans chapter 13 tells you to bless them, to pray for them. And we need to do that as a nation. I pray for the head of CDC. I pray for the head of the World Health Organization. I pray the head of our nation. I pray for the head of our state. I pray for the head of our county. Why? Because God told me to. Should have been better than that. Amen. That's better. There we go. We're going to have to have a battery to jump start every car here. They've wore it out with the horns today. But God. So as this happens and Moses is standing there, he's got a decision to make. And in the midst of that moment, he's standing with the sea at his feet and six million people at his back. And he's got to decide, what am I going to do? And he prays to God and God says, take your rod, Moses, and strike the sea. Take the rod and strike the sea. There's points in leadership where you have to do foolish things that may it confound the wise, though. If you'll do what God's asked you to do, do, even though it may seem crazy, it may seem like it don't make any sense, but guess what? When God says, get out and put some grape juice on your doorpost, I'm going to do it, even though my neighbor may look at me and say, them people's foolish, them people's crazy, but guess what? If God said so, it is so. I believe in the power of God. 
I believe in anointing my head with oil. I believe in doing the things that Scripture tells us to do. It says if there's any sick among you, pray. Anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith, and it'll save the sick. The power of God is still real. It didn't leave 2,000 years ago. God is still here. God is in our midst. So Moses stands out there, and he has this stick. And it's the same stick he used in the wilderness. And he takes this stick and he strikes that water. And when he strikes the water, the seas, the Bible says, rolled back. And there was walls of water. This was a sea. This wasn't a creek. This was a sea. It would be like going over to Cave Run Lake or something even bigger or even up to... Uh, the lake's up on the north coast and, and taking a rod and striking the water and the seas parting ways. Can you imagine one of the great lakes in our country having a walkway where the, the children of Israel, six million people, could walk through on dry ground? That would take the power of God, wouldn't it? So Moses strikes this sea. When he does that, the people don't stand there and murmur and complain anymore. Guess what they do? They begin to look around and everybody says, well, amen, if Moses is going, I'm going. And Moses takes off through there and as he goes, the other people takes off through. And as they walk through this big red sea, and can you imagine water as high as that hill over there above your head and walking through the midst of it and looking down on the bottom of the seashore and it being dry ground. They weren't walking through on mud puddles. God don't go halfway with you. When he makes a way, he makes a way that seems to be no way. He makes a way out of no way. And God today is going to make a way. So Moses, can you imagine the liberty and the freedom and the joy he felt in his heart knowing, man, God just come through. There's points in leadership when we have great victory that we can have the joy of the Lord to be our strength. And the joy of the Lord can come bubbling up and it'll cause us to laugh. It'll cause us to just have a good time. And there's seasons for that. Proverbs tells us in Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, it all tells us, Solomon told us, that there is a time and a season for everything. There's days where you cry. There's days where you have joy. But I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I believe it is. He said, there I've found that to be content within whatever state I'm in. Whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. Is there any content people out here in front of me today? Whatever state I'm in. That means if i got to come to church and sit in my car, I'm content. Amen? It means if i get to come in and worship God in this house, I'm content. It means if i got to stay at home and watch on Facebook Live, I'm content. Why? Because God is wherever you're at. You don't, have to, you don't have to come to meet Him here. He'll meet you where you're at. He'll meet you in your home. Just know that God, if God be for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? So I haven't looked at my sermon notes at all. I'm sorry. I'm done, though. I know that. I've went past my time frame here. So going through deep waters, I want to ask you during this season of time that you're living in right now, is your faith increasing or decreasing? 
Is your faith in God growing stronger or is it growing weaker? If you say, Pastor Ben, I don't know. I feel like my faith is, is wavering. I feel like my faith that I'm being, I'm on shaking sand and I, I don't know how to stand up right now and I feel like my faith is leaving me. I'll tell you how to get faith. The Bible tells us in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you need some more faith in your life, get in your Bible. Begin to read your Bible more than you ever have before. If it seems like I don't know what to say in this situation, go look at your Bible. It's got the answers to your life. So if your faith is increasing, shout for joy. If it seems like it's decreasing, because I'm telling you right now, as a Christian, as your pastor even, there's seasons of my life where I feel like my faith is not enough. And in those moments, in those situations, I have to decide, what am I going to do? I'd rather do this. I'd rather read my Bible and let faith come on the inside of me. I'd rather, I'd rather believe the word of the Lord than the word of the land. Amen? I'd rather believe the word of the Lord than the word of the news channel. I, I'm not saying don't listen to the news. Listen to the news. Get you some wisdom there. But go back to your Bible and find out if it's truth or not. Because the Bible will not lead you astray. I promise you that. So, second thing on here, is your faith increasing? I hope so. If not, read your Bible. Has your prayer life increased since this situation has arised a couple weeks ago? How many's praying more now than you were two weeks ago? I'm sure everybody in this crowd is. We're all praying more. Why? Because we know that we need to pray in situations like this. And maybe God's brought us to this point so that we'll return to Him and we'll quit doing what we want to do and doing our own thing, but we'll begin to follow Him again. And as you pray, you become in a relationship with Him and He speaks to you. So as you're doing this, pray more. And last but not least, Are you complaining? Are you complaining? There's one person telling the truth. There's some. There's a couple more complainers. And everybody else is just all oh, this is always oh, a great crowd here. I wish I could take a picture that way. It's time to tell the truth, folks. You're being called on the carpet in front of the world and everybody. How many's complained in the last two weeks? That's better truth right there, I believe. So as we complain, know this, that leadership, their job is harder when we're complaining. But that doesn't mean they'll fail. I believe God ordains leadership. And as God, God ordained this leadership with Moses, even in the midst of six million people complaining and saying, Moses, why have you drug us out here? We don't even have gra graves and we're living here on the side of this Red Sea and how am I going to get through it? There's no way and Pharaoh's army is coming to my backside and it seems like I'm going to die today. Leadership in the midst of those situations will still lead. And God's given them the authority with the rod. The Old Testament is full of scriptures. In Psalms, it talks about the rod all the time. The rod is always symbolic of the Word of God. You can take your Bible, just like Moses took that rod, and as you pull it on a situation, and as he touched that water, that situation changed, didn't it? The water rolled back. So guess what? In the midst of your situation, and you may be going through some things and facing some things this week that I don't know about and you don't know about, but in the middle of that situation, I want you to take your Bible with you. 
Pastor Dusty talked about last year that God told him to carry his Bible with him everywhere he went during the whole 21 days of the Daniel fast we've done. And as he took this Bible and he went around and as he was carrying it with him everywhere, he said sometimes it was points where he felt like almost like, why am I doing this, God? And God's telling him it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. You need your Bible with you as you're facing life. The good part is today we've got it on our phone. We've got apps on our phone that we can take our Bible with us in this phone. But there's something different about the written word. And I've got mine laying right over there on that table. The written word of Jesus has power. Amen? There's power in the Bible. And as this power and this faith comes, it'll cause you to walk through situations that you never thought possible. Those murmuring complainers that were out there complaining to Moses that they weren't going to get through this situation, they walked through on dry ground just like everybody else. So even though you're maybe a natural-born complainer, I'm asking you today to give up your old ways for the new ways because Christians shouldn't be complaining. Come on, somebody. Christians should not be complainers. Paul said, I found, and whenever Paul was writing that in Philippians chapter 4, when he was writing that, he was a prisoner in a jail cell in Rome. And he's writing these words. He's writing our Bible, and he's writing this down. And he said, you know, I found whatever condition I'm in there with to be content with that. He was a prisoner in the middle of Rome. He was going to be beheaded for his faith. And in the moment, he was content even in a jail cell. The question is, are we going to complain or are we going to act in faith? I'm asking you today to walk in faith. Walk in the newness of life. And if Jesus has resurrected you from the dead, if you've been born again, if you've allowed his blood to wash over your life and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, today you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, it says in Corinthians. You're a new creation, not an old creation, a new one. And as this new life lives inside of you and you pray and you seek God and you read his word and you study, you shouldn't complain. You shouldn't complain. Christians should set the pace in this situation. I believe with all my heart God is giving us a chance to lead. What are we going to do? Are we going to lead or are we going to fail him? I'm asking you today, church, are you going to lead or are you going to fail him? Where do you stand in this moment? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And he's calling upon people in this crowd. He's calling upon people of this world and watching on Facebook that he's calling upon us today to give our life to him. And if you've never done that, I'm asking you today. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging of you. Give up your old ways. This is 2020. This is 2020. And sure, I led this sermon out saying that I believed before this year began that 2020 was a special year. That 2020 is hindsight, yes. But also 2020 is perfect vision. And I believe today that God is opening our eyes to see the world the way he sees it. I thank God that he's got his church outside of the four walls of the church so that people in the community can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that he's called us out in such a time as this, just like Queen Esther and saying, this is the time, this is the age, this is the season where I'm going to speak what I didn't used to speak. I used to hide in my faith, but today I'm very open. We need to be that way. Even the dogs are amen, and it's awesome. So what are you going to do? 
What are you going to do? I wrote this down, and these are the three parts, and then I'm done. Leadership requires you to listen when God tells you to stay in the house. Todd beat you all to the punch on that one. That was Todd Ruckel right there. He beat everybody in the crowd to that one. God sometimes tells you to stay in the house. And as God told the children of Israel that last night for that last plague, he told them to stay in the house and to wipe their doorposts with that, with that blood as symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And he told them, whenever you do that, that the death angel will not come nigh your dwelling. Sometimes he tells you to stay in your house. And when leadership tells you to stay in the house, look back and say, well, Moses told the children of Israel to do that. And guess what? If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Amen, somebody. Go home, stay in your house. I'm glad, I'm glad today that people have stayed in their cars here at this church because leadership asked you to. I thank God for that. We had one little boy that had to take a leak a minute ago, and that's okay. Two-year-olds get a bypass on that. It's good enough. Amen. But we've done really well here today, and I thank and appreciate you for that. So sometimes you have to stay in your house. Why don't you look over at your neighbor, even if you got your windows up, and holler at him real loud and say, stay in your house. Come on, the kids are louder than adults. Come on, adults. Them kids, don't let them out, do you? Go right now. Tell, tell your neighbor, stay in your house. Amen. Number two, leave bad company behind. Leave bad company behind. Moses and the children of Israel had to leave bad company behind. They had to leave the Egyptians and walk through the sea with faith that God will not hold, will hold back the wall of water from you. I want us all to pray here today as we bow our head and close our eyes. Everybody here, just bow your head and close your eyes. I want everybody here to pray this prayer. And I want you simply to say this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying today to me through this message? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And as God speaks, as God calls people here or people watching or people listening on the radio, listen to his voice and obey his will for your life. Maybe you've come here today and you said, I've, I've got to turn over a new leaf. I've got to. I want to leave that old way behind. I want this new way. I want this new path that you're speaking about, preacher. I want to accept Jesus to come into my life and wash me clean, to make me new. Maybe you've known him before and you've walked away from him. He never left you. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He would go with you even to the end of the age. He's telling you to come back home just like the prodigal son. Return unto me. I want to lead you in a prayer. 
want everybody here to pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Wash me clean. Give me new life. Come live within me. And allow me to live in heaven forever with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.